And all that jazz. My next guest, Dolly Henry, is a well-known jazz artist, choreographer and author. She co-founded the Bop Jazz Theatre Company in 1996 with her husband, Paul Jenkins. He's a jazz trumpeter, composer and music producer. She's also an acclaimed educator on all things jazz in the UK and internationally. Together, her and Paul wrote The Essential Guide to Jazz. Dolly has just finished a performance at a dance festival, so let's find out more. Dolly, welcome to Tea Time with me, Ali Monjak. How are you? Hi, hi, hi. Lovely to be here. Yeah, lovely to have you. So I know it's been a really busy couple of few weeks for you, hasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it really, really has. Yes, uh, we've just... uh, Two weeks ago, actually, today, uh, we were at the Curve Theatre in Leicester. And uh, luckily for us, we had an opportunity to be one of the first out the stalls as a, as a creative company. And Body of People, which is my company, uh, which is a jazz theatre company, we were invited uh, to be part of the programme of a festival that happened uh, as part of Serendipity. And we were filmed, actually, because we weren't allowed to have a, an audience. We we kind of got this opportunity, which was very, very special to film the performance. And then it was shown a week later. So last week was the showing of it. The previous week was the filming of it. And here I am this week talking about it and still reveling in the fact that <clears throat> as a, excuse me, as a company, you know, to be able to get to go back to what we really, really love to do, which is to create and to dance and to share what we do artistically and creatively was just uh, mind boggling. And we were on such a high for a couple of weeks and I'm slowly coming down now knowing that actually what we managed to achieve was something quite incredible, but it was a success. So, uh, so much so that they're going to be showing the performance again on the 20th by public demand so we're kind of very happy that we've been able to step back into the realm of what we really love and it's been accepted so yeah yeah well fantastic <clears throat> congratulations that thank sounds you. absolutely amazing yeah, and you. you know as you said before it's about the energy that you give out to things isn't it really well i think that comes from who we are as individuals you know i'm generally a very energized kind of person i i i'm a i'm a person who's always half full or as near to full as possible rather than half empty uh i try to make everything that i do a positive because actually we've only got one chance to do it and if we're negative about it all the time we're never learning anything so my philosophy is just uh, nothing is wrong everything is a lesson and so I take that as my kind of mantra and my way of living life. It doesn't always suit everybody, this happy disposition. And it's not to say that I don't have sad days or bad days. It's just that actually the good days weigh those days out and the energy that you give to that is wasted. I'd rather give my energy to doing positive things. So that's kind of my my way of living and and that allows me to do that very much so through my art you know I, I'm, I'm lucky that i do something that i love it's not a job it's a way of life and that gives me so much energy yeah isn't it wonderful to be doing something and being paid for it and you absolutely love it and you don't feel like you're really working do you no I've never ever thought I mean I started dancing at the age of four and I think it was a passion that's been with me all my life and 
has never waned, I don't think. And actually it's given me m much more than, it's not, it's much more than the accolade of doing it. It's what it gives me as a person, as a human being and, and, and that purpose, it gives me a purpose. And it's a purpose that I feel very lucky to be able to, to, to pursue because it's definitely not an easy industry to be in. It's definitely, as a black woman and a, and a creative in, in our industry, that's twice as hard. You know, you have double knocks, you're a woman and you're black. So the, the knocks are there and the, the, the obstacles are there. But I, as I said earlier, my energy and my positivity is, well, okay, why? I'll, I'll question everything. You know, and I'll question somebody who says no, because no is not an answer. It's a lame answer. I don't necessarily want yes, but I want a reason. <laughs> so I'm very inquisitive like that. So, yeah, I, I, I think that keeps me up. And I've always had that since the age of four, I, I guess. I just feel very blessed that I've found something that loves me as much as I love it. Oh, no, that's a lovely, lovely way to be, Dolly, it really is. So let's just wind the clock back. I mean, you started the, the Bop Jazz Company, didn't you, in 1996, goodness. I know, it seems such a long time ago, almost 25 years ago. Um, well, it is, it's kind of coming up to that now. But yeah, I, Bop happened out of a, a need of finding a home really for me to explore my own creativity as a jazz artist. As a choreographer, you know, we're, we're often pushed towards musical theatre or the commercial world. And although I've trod in all of those boards and I've been very lucky to be able to be in West End musicals and done film and TV, uh, heart I'm an artist and so my artistry has always wanted to come through the jazz extreme or the jazz idiom probably more so because that's where I naturally lay as a creative artist I identify with that because it's a black art form although I would say that in education and, and the myth that goes with jazz people don't see the legacy of it or the contextual um, evidence of it we we are kind of push towards seeing it as I dare to say a white art form and so for me it's, there's always been that struggle well why is that why is it not seen from where it's from and to know any art form you have to go back to the beginning so in many ways Bop was a home for me to explore even more not only my own identity but the identity of what the jazz idiom and the jazz art form was all about where it came from who was who and I knew all that anyway but to, I think to be a creative artist in it and to, to, you know, put your work forward as something that you see as art, you have to know the history and you have to go back and say, well, okay, what is the inspiration that I'm getting from that? How can I put myself as an individual into that and still be me and not lose me? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's been a whole journey. It's been a huge, huge journey, but one that I wouldn't have changed for anything. No, I, I can imagine. And what an interesting journey. It's interesting that you say that, you know, it, it's portrayed as a sort of white person's um, genre jazz. Well, you know, if, if I'm an educator, so I'm educating to the degree level and I educate from the school kids and I educate professionals and I work with professionals. And, you know, even now I can say to students, name me a jazz musician. They don't know. Okay, well, jazz and dance, they, they go together. They come from a people and they will go to the people. But if you don't know where the history lays, you can't really discuss it. And then 
what we are taught, and I know this from my time as a student, I was never taught by a black choreographer from jazz, I was always taught by a white choreographer or a white teacher, and the expression that they came with was from their experience and knowledge. And I dare say, I can say that now as a specialist in what I do, and, and you know, and a speaker on jazz and jazz dance, they've missed out a whole history that actually many of us never get to learn about, which is the expression. It's not the word, it's the expression, and the expression is from the black tradition. And if you miss that out, you've missed the whole purpose of what jazz is. So yeah. we get musical theatre, and we get commercial dance, but we don't get the art form. We get the commercial commodity of it, which is the appropriation of yeah. the art form. You know, and you know, we have to look at the innovators. We talk about Bob Fosse as an innovator, but where did Bob Fosse get his inspiration from? That came from Vaudeville, which Vaudeville came from minstrelsy, which came from the black tradition. So it's all relevant, but no one joins the dots. I'm a kind of person I like to join the dots and let's let's understand the dots. Then we can really know what we're pursuing and what we're actually trying to do. So, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're right, it, you know, certain dances or music has, has come from different cultures. I mean, for me, when you said that, I was quite shocked because, you know, I grew up listening to Ella Fitzgerald, oh. Billie Holiday, uh, you know, Charlie Parker. But that, you know, I'm I'm talking, oh, I, I, think, I think people like yourself who are, you know, a kind of open and want to learn, that's fine, and want to uh, uh, connect with that. But if I'm talking about education per se, that's where it really goes wrong. And, you know, I've had many, many students to me said, I didn't know anything about jazz until I was taught by you, Dolly. I have professionals who say to me, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the music and the dance came together. You, you have to understand the time. It's, it's so much more than just the word. And I write that in my book. I, uh, two years ago, we uh, were published by Crowwood Press and we wrote a book, my husband and I, called The Essential Guide to Jazz Dance. And it isn't a tome and it isn't a Bible, but what it is is a, an, an opportunity for many teachers and creatives and dancers and professionals and non, non, you know, artistic people just to get an understanding of the history. And the feedback that has come from that has been phenomenal because now it's gone into schools and it's gone into educational bookshelves. Dancers are now reading it. I go, oh, I can now go and pinpoint where that actual step came from. No, but it's very important that we do that, especially from an educational point of view. I, you know, for me as an educator, uh, training the next generation, they need to know because they need to pass it on too. And then people have choices. And I think what's, you know, what's sad about it in many ways, jazz is its own worst enemy because it went out. It went out to the world and everybody got a piece of it. But the innovators and the people who created it are the people that are not known. Yeah. And actually, where are we today with jazz? What, how do we see it? How do you see it? You know, I ask a lot. Well, some people say, I don't know what jazz is. What is jazz dance? That is sad. Yeah. Just the other day, somebody said to me, I don't know what jazz, what is jazz dance? And so there's a massive confusion. And all I think I'm trying to do in my own little way, my own little bubble of doing what I do as a jazz artist is kind of just go, okay, this is what it is. You know, it's an artistic art form that comes from a just like ballet, just like contemporary, 
but it's not legitimized as art. But don't you see, I mean, that's an interesting thought. I mean, I, I mean, obviously I, I have done some dance as a young person. My daughter loved dance for many years and, and she did jazz and tap mm -hmm. and different types of dances. I mean, don't you see as contemporary, did that not evolve from jazz? Because to me... No. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting question because I have another thought behind the word contemporary. If anything, jazz itself is a contemporary art form. Ballet came out of the aesthetic of uh, ballet. Contemporary dance came, or modern dance as it was then, came out of the, you know, the let's battle against the aesthetic of ballet. Let's take the ballet shoes off. Let's get to the bare feet. Let's find something that's more narrative of the moment. So yes, you can say, and you can say that jazz came out of that, but it's still an art form. And the art form of jazz is the bit that I'm more interested in. We can be so many different, we can show it in so many different ways, but it's the nuances of where it came from that need to be in the work that we see, or the style, or the rhythm, or the timing, or the, you know, the dexterity of movement. It's completely different as a dance form because of the aesthetics. So it's not ballet and it's not contemporary, but the art form itself is contemporary because it's continually changing and it influences so much. So that's what makes it so contemporary. But most people see contemporary as contemporary dance, right. which is so different to jazz dance. Well, which is, you know, well, thanks for clearing that up for me. <laughs> well, I can remember, you know, when I danced, uh, you know, years ago, it was, as you're right, called modern dance, wasn't it? Contemporary. Ooh, Absolutely. Modern, um, modern tap and ballet was <laughs> the well, thing. Well, that's how it was. You know, interestingly, we're talking about things like that. I'm now in conversations with ISTD, you know, examination boards and curriculum boards to just look at how we can delineate actually and and you know what is what is art forms and what are the delineations of them and how do we kind of give people an opportunity to see all that is able to be expressed through through dance or any art form actually and i think because of you know the dynamics that have changed in everything to do with color and uh, you know ethnicity and culture and all of those things especially with black lives happening last year it kind of opened up a big you know the elephant was thrashing around and now we have to settle with the elephant is we're calming the, that elephant down but it's about conversation i do understand that i mean it, it it's the whole thing you know it's it still opens up you're you're on the right show by the way because you know i talk about anything <laughs> and i'm not afraid to talk about anything no, so and i'm not afraid to hide how i feel because i think honesty is a great thing you know sometimes yeah. honesty can be a bit hard in people's faces but i suppose you know being an artist i cannot be anything but honest because if I'm not honest with my reality of life I'm not going to be honest with my art form or the way I pursue my art or what I put out as my art so you know for me the two things come together they're not separated and I think you know whenever we do anything we have to look at who are we within all of that and what do we put out yeah that, no know? definitely and do you know what I think it's absolutely brilliant that you've basically been able to rewrite the history 
um, because it's important to know that it was, you know, a black dance art form and music form, not a white. And, I, you know, I think that that's just so brilliant because it breaks it down, doesn't it? And you're right. There's, you know, I mean, I, I always cover Black History Month and there's always conversations that I have with, you know, some dear friends of mine, you know, and it, it's to listen to the fact that so much history has been swept under the carpet just because of the colour of your skin is... Mm. I think, you know, yes, isn't it? Really? some people have said to me, how do you deal with it, Dolly? Because you seem to kind of brush it off. But it's not that I, I'm used to it. I've got mm -hmm. used to it. Over 59 years, I have got used to that. And you battle that and you find your way to deal with it. As I, I go back to what I said at the beginning, I have something that gives me so much more pleasure and focus than focusing on the negatives, you see, because I can't change other people's perceptions, but I can mm. change me, you know, and that's how I look at it. And if I can change people by saying, okay, see it through my art, then that's me through my eye. If it pleases you, then there's nothing to see, but what pleases you, there's no, then, do you see what I'm saying? So it's for me, it's, 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 you know, it will always be there. It will always be there. Racism is something that's part of our DNA. We all share that, whether we're black, white, Asian, everyone has this. It's, I think it's down to us as individuals to check ourselves. Yes. And once we check ourselves, then we can be okay outwardly, you know, but if we're not checking ourselves and saying, well, actually, I need to question how I feel about that or what I understand about that. And it's okay to ask questions. You know, it was something I did put out very early on Facebook, actually, on social media. I'm here if you want to talk. I'm not going to bite your head off. No. But if you want to know something, come to the source. We'll tell you. You just have to listen. Just listen and kind of act, uh, acknowledge it and maybe just understand a little bit more than what you thought before. And it works both ways. I mean, the weird thing about it is my husband is white. He's from South London. He's a South London boy, born and raised in, you know, Brixton. And, you know, the contrast between us two is like, makes people go, oh, wow. But we kind of like it because we're saying, here it is. Here it is. All In all its glory, diversity. <laughs> yes, and it works and it can work. So it, it isn't about, it is, it's about, mm, if without being too harsh, there's ignorance. If we can get past the ignorance, you know, and actually study a little bit more and read more than what has been given to us and dig a little bit deeper and talk, you know, we talk can solve many, solve many more problems than we are making, you know. Talk is, I think, so important, you know, to talk Massively about important. it. Oh, really? You know. And not to feel embarrassed about it, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, mm -hmm. I think, that some people sort of wear that badge where they don't want to, you know, feel like they're being offended if, you know, you... It's talk more offensive. I find something more offensive when you ignore it. I'd rather mm. somebody came straight up to me and just asked the question, yeah, obviously in a pleasant and nice way or in a good environment, I'm just, but, you know, just ask the question. I, would, I am very inquisitive, so I'm always going to ask the question. And I always say, if, if, if I've offended you in any way, that's not what was meant to be, but you know, I'm yeah. I'm interested to know your point of view, or <laughs> you know, and also I also like talking, as you've gathered. 
I like that Dolly about you definitely yeah I, I'm completely the same I love to talk about everything and mm. anything um but yeah I mean it, it is an interesting subject and and I actually said to Stacey, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago. Lovely, who I lovely know, Stacey. Yeah, 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 who's a friend of yours. Yeah. And um, this, I did an interview, oh, last year, through Black History Month, a lovely lady that I've known for some time, a friend of mine, Louise Chandler. And she is a media specialist and writer. And she wrote an amazing, her, her, um, Mum and dad are from the West Indies, but she was born here. She made this amazing article and it's called Race is Everybody's Business. It is. Beautiful title. Great title. Because it yeah. is. It is. We can't remove ourselves from it because we're part oh. of humanity. And if we remove ourselves from that, then we're removing ourselves from humanity. And I just, you know, you have to be, we're all in it together. So we Absolutely. can kind of work it out together. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I think? think we will be okay, definitely. And I, no, I, most definitely. No, definitely. There yeah. is there is a lot of movement now, isn't there, with Black it's, Lives Matter? It's, it's moving. It is definitely moving. Sometimes I wish it could move a little bit faster, but that's because I've been watching it go for years. So for me, it feels slow at times. But, you know, as I say, I don't know if, you know, not that we keep doing the whole programme or chat on black lives but I, you know i wonder if black lives didn't happen if george floyd hadn't have died last year i don't know that we'd have been able to even get to the place that we have got today so that's a it's sad it's bittersweet that somebody had to die in another country for us to really see globally what was really going on but i think it was a as sad 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 as it was it was also very positive I also think COVID was a positive effect if we want to look at it like that. As sad as that was, many people have lost their lives, families are devastated and, you know, life has been crazy for everybody. But I do think it gave people time to sit down and really introspectively look as well as outwardly look. And I hope, well, I know I certainly did. So I'm assuming other people did too. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. I, I think, you know, it's been a really big learning curve. And, and I mean, what did you do, Dolly? Because at first you probably weren't able to, to go out. I don't want to know. I was crazy. <laughs> no, I was crazy. I went into, okay, this is a big big message it's a wake-up call i kind of went there and went okay what's the universe trying to tell us right now that was covid and then work-wise we just got into okay let's try this let's start work found out how zoom works because no who'd heard of zoom no before covid no so okay how do we maximize the use of this so started to do my classes online you know worked out how to do it got the webcam changed my lounge around it became a studio i bought dance floor my husband and i had time to actually see each other and not be ships in the night and you know just i actually loved every second of it i have to say because i found things to do that i wouldn't normally get a chance to do but i also explored other ways of working and becoming adaptable you know because i knew that i had to survive somehow you know and working for me is 
as a self-employed person, you're constantly thinking what's your next uh, move and where are you going to get from and how are you going to make that work. So it kind of gave me more space and time, actually. Yeah, I think it has, isn't it? It really has. So, you know, I mean, I wouldn't have started for the Now Media if it wasn't for COVID. That's what I mean. Many, many things are positive things. And I think, you know, those people that may have been thinking about doing something more creative or something that they only dreamt of doing probably found the time to do it. I know a lot of people who started painting. You know, when I, just beautiful things that they would never really get to do or never put time aside to do. So I, that's what I'm saying. There is a positive. You know, there is both. Everything has pros and cons. And it's, you know, some people went the other way and some of us went the other way and some of us stayed in the middle. But, you know, I hope that everybody did get something out of it because otherwise they'd kind of wasted a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know. I mean, there is, <laughs> there are lots of people who perhaps haven't had such positive experiences. No, I hear that, and that's probably oh. been a little bit flippant. But you know, and you know, gosh, you know, my, you know, I think about my son who lives in a flat, and he came to stay with us because he needed garden space. You know, he just was like. So I understand, you know, the pros and cons. I'm talking about what we do with our time. From a, I'm talking from a creative point of view, I suppose, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, just doing this performance, for, so at first, though, as well as it being amazing that you had your space at home and your family and, and time, you must have felt quite frustrated that you weren't able to do performances. I think it was lack of being in a space with other energized spirits that you know we're all tipping on the same energy and we're all wanting to do the same thing that community was disparate you know there's only so much you can reach through the screen as we know and that works in some instances and other times it's just draining so for me it was the draining side of it because you knew you had to do it because you were doing it because you want to do it but also you're doing it because it's part of what you need to do to survive but yeah, I, it, I think it was by the time we got to September last year and I was going back to lecturing and it meant, oh, I'm going back into a live situation. But even that was strained. Even when you got back to that, that was strained. There were less students or there were less people in the studio. So it was, you know, you were wearing your masks and things like that. So yeah, I, I, I think from a f mental point of view, we're all going, let us back, you know, we want to get back to it. But I think on a health point of view, we all had to just stay safe. And I think that was my focus. Stay safe, don't get ill, don't get COVID dull, just, you know, do what you've got to do. Physically, it didn't help me because I'm used to charging around a big studio or as we say on a stage or physically moving like an athlete. Yeah. dancing in a room when you're doing it on screen you are not maximizing your body movement at all so I lost weight I ended up losing weight not that I'd intended to and I'm not a big girl anyway but I lost so much weight I lost muscle weight because I wasn't actually getting to use the muscles in the same way exercising is one thing that keeps you fit but it doesn't keep you powered powered up and dancing keeps you powered up that I missed immensely and it's kind of taken me a good four, five months to kind of really get myself back up to that level where I'm like, okay, I'm energized again. 
I'm at my full cylinder of capacity at the moment. Fantastic. Okay. No, that and yeah, you look really well and, and really good. So, um, so this performance that you've just done at the curve, that mm -hmm. your first performance then. That's since... our first performance since February 2020. Our last performance was February 2020. COVID happened in March. We were due to do a, a small tour. We were due to do the Peacock Theatre. I lost so much work, my international work just completely disappeared. So that's what I mean, going back to that, it was like boom, 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 we had to find ways of making it work. So when we got this call from the producers at Serendipity, which is the uh, producing house who, the, who does the festival, we were like, yes, yes, we'll take it, we'll take it. Didn't care how we were going to get there or do it, just said yes. And I'm so glad what we did because... It, it just gave us a chance to realise, oh, I think, to be grateful for what we, we are able to do. This is something that we all love so much. I have 10 dancers in the company, and there's myself and Paul, so there's 12 of us all together. And just kind of getting everybody back like one big family and doing, yeah, actually growing again together to produce something to put on stage. It's a, you know, it's a wonderful, it does warm your heart that's what you do, do you know what I mean it's like anybody going back to work after a long time of not doing it you know, no I, I completely understand that I really do I mean I, yeah I mean I've kind of got used to I mean you know working in my home studio so I'm adoring your view yeah <laughs> It does change the perspective. It gives you a different perspective. It makes you work in a different way. I haven't got bored, if that's a, a, a thought to come through. I, I haven't got bored. I've got bored with COVID because it's out of our control. Yes. And I can't fix it and I can't change it. But I, as I said before, I can change me and adapt to what I need to do. So I, I think I've learned a few tricks and a few things rather than lost anything that's what i mean i've i've learned some new skills you know some new ways of working and being more adaptable and actually more chilled out <laughs> oh well that's really good that is really good isn't it you know you need to be that chilled out i think which is which is brilliant but you haven't been chilled out in the last few weeks because you've been working no, that's, that, you know but but I've always worked and I will always work. As I say, you find ways to work. You know, if you're not working on an actual project, you're working on something else. I'm on a lot of advisory boards. So I'm on a lot of meetings at the moment. You know, I'm a patron at the Hammond School. I'm a patron at another uh, dance academy. Um, I teach at London Studio, not London Studio, Trinity Laban Conservatoire. I'm a lecturer there as a jazz practitioner and also another one in Guildford called PPA. So my days are do, 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 do. I kind of run them by a, 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 a steel rod because if yeah, I don't, I get Are you like doing it. those over Zoom still? No, I'm in the studio now. We're all back in the studio now, which is fantastic. Fun. So you, you can have students in. And oh, yeah. And, you know, and I teach on a Sunday at Pineapple. I have an open jazz class on a Sunday at Pineapple Dance Studios in Covent Garden. And for, I've been doing that online. And that has been pretty tough because it's just you and I have my assistant. And it's the big screen and big studio, but nobody else in there. So 
as of the 17th of May, that is opening up again to real people in real time. So we're all excited about that. That's another space for the dance community to get back into what they really want to do. They're, everyone's gagging, Ellie. Everyone's yeah. <laughs> you know, because unfortunately, the theatre world got a bashing. You know, the dance theatre, uh, the arts world got a bashing. You know, we were the first to go out and we're kind of the last to come back in. You know, I, can't, I find it quite incredible that, you know, we can all go to a football match and we can all go to a rave and check out how everybody's doing, but we can't go into a theatre and sit two metres away from each other. And, and, and everybody's been checked and everybody on stage is fine. We know because we've been doing that. Everybody knows. We're all, I, I test twice a week. I have to for my sanity, let alone to make sure I'm safe for everybody else. And I'm vaccinated twice. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I find it quite incredible that, you know, certain sectors have not had the same privileges as other sectors. Which is a shame, isn't it? It is it a shame. Really is. You know, yeah. We can all get, you know, we all like a little bit of escapism, but it's not fo not necessarily football. You know? No, no. And, you know, I, I completely relate to you because I'm very much, um, I love the arts, you know, I love going yeah. to I love yeah. watching dance um i love but all of that and it's all those wonderful music venues that haven't been able to you know what has been interesting though ali is that because of covid again i'm talking about adaptability theaters and and certain venues have really used the streaming uh idea and that's what i'm saying at the curve we did the same thing and actually i think on many levels that that's going to be the new way of seeing theatre and art and music, but also it will be balanced up with going to live theatre as well. So it kind of, if everyone's smart, it kind of broadens the perspective a little bit and it gives opportunity for people who may not be able to go to theatre to be able to buy a ticket and stream and watch it online. And I think that's great. And I think that's what happened for us at The Curve because we weren't in a live situation. The ticket, the way the tickets were sold and because of the international reach, it allowed so many more people to see the performance. That's true, actually. So, I mean, there is a, um, a degree of, you know, excitement in that as well. You know, when you've got, you realise that you've got a wider audience, you know, globally, anybody can I watch think for it. us that was huge. That had a huge mm. effect us because actually because of that um apparently the demand was so because it was only shown it you could only buy the ticket for the night and then it was shown for 48 hours so if you didn't buy the ticket for the night you couldn't see it after that you had to have bought the ticket and so you know there were a lot of uh, people who were coming back to the venue just saying look we didn't get to buy the ticket we want to see it again so that's when they said well wow you know that's never happened before okay we're going to rerun it because the, the the demand for it and that would never happen necessarily in theater yeah it awesome. wouldn't it wouldn't it just wouldn't because it's not cost effective that's why. No, of course it's not but the great thing is is that they don't have to put you back in the curve do they they just sort of press play and off they go and it's great and what i'm excited about we have a beautiful show reel out of this we have a 50 minute show 
that is been, has been filmed and for a change it hasn't been us that's filmed it it's been done professionally it looks amazing it, i have to say I, even i was shocked i sat and i watched it with everybody else for the first time because we didn't see the the finished edit before it was shown so we were kind of like on the edge of the seat watching it from home and it was yeah it was a lovely experience actually even if, if I stand away and say, okay, that was nothing to do with me, I'm just watching it. It was a really nice experience to see how well it was filmed and how well it was put together. Not our work, but the way it was edited down. And it was, yeah, it's another experience, I think, that can work for theatre. Oh, you are very modest. It sounds, it sounds like it's uh, a brilliant piece. I will remind it. you so that you will be able to see it on the 20th so you can have a comment there. Yeah. Oh, lovely. No, I'd love to. Thank you. That'd be amazing. I really would love to see it. So it was for what dance festival then? It was, I. it's the lateral, it's the International Lateral da uh, Dance Festival and it's called LDIF and it's part of Serendipity who are an organisation based in Leicester actually and they've been running for 10 years. And as I say, it's a, a, an international festival that brings dancers from all over the world and dance artists from all over the world. So it's not just dance, there are conversations. Like in June, I, I am talking about jazz dance. So there's a conversation with Dolly and jazz dance. There's workshops, I'm taking workshops as well, but there are other people, industry people who will be taking workshops. There's art, there's interdisciplinary talks. There's, and it's very, I. It's a great, great festival, offers very much. It's still going on now. I think it's got another three days to go and then it's done. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, what's so lovely about it, it's a festival that's right in the middle of the UK. So it's kind of like, boof, boof, it's done that, whereas it's not London centric. We have a lot of festivals that are very London centric. Yes, we have the Edinburgh Fringe and all that, but it's nice to have one that's smack bang sort of in the middle of England. And so it kind of reaches that area that actually sometimes we don't get to reach as artists. I, yeah, I can imagine. I can really imagine good. that. It's, it's a really good idea, isn't it? To put it online as well. So. I, I think the, the director, Paulette Brooks, she was so adamant because it had all been planned in the book from last year. They did it last year, I think, the same way but not as good so they adapted it and thought okay let's film this year let's do things and take it to another level so again because of covid everything got adapted and so yeah. i think it's you know i suppose as a jazzer we're very adaptable and jazzers we adapt to the moment we were, we're in the moment what's going on okay let's make it work so when she came back and said this is what we're going to do you're not going to do it live is that okay? I said, how are we going to do it? She said, we're going to film it. I went, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. I actually get to see my own work for a change. Absolutely. Seriously, <laughs> Alex. That's what was so thrilling, I think, for it. Because normally you're in the theatre and you do it and it's done. Mm. Yes, you might get a recording of it or you might get the show, you know, something to make a show real. But to actually do it and then come away from it and sit back. I was just... I. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was very, very proud of the work that we managed to achieve in the small amount of time, but actually what it looked like. And, you know, as I said, the reviews were amazing and, and the feedback has been amazing. So it kind of was like a lovely affirmation after all this time of not doing anything. Yeah. It, it was an affirmation for us that, okay, yeah, we, we're not all dried out 
because of COVID, we can still do this, you know? And I think because we'd waited so long and we had a goal, we knew in December, so uh, we rehearsed online for January and February with the dancers. And that was an incredible experience because it allowed us all to really kind of hone in on our own creativity rather than me going, okay, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Yeah, I want Mm -hmm. you to do this, but I want you to go away and think about what that means to you when you do it. So when we get in the studio, we can play around with it. So there was a lot of organic work going on through the through the screen that when we got back into the studio space, that organicness just came alive and everybody was throwing in and we, it, it just happened very organically. And wow. it's not a show that we've done before because it was a collection of 24 years worth of choreography and a repertoire. And we had one premiere piece in it as well, which we all created the music, composed the music for, uh, with a young gentleman from America who was with the Dance Theatre of Harlem, who's now living here, and literally came one day to rehearsals and just said, hi, Dolly, you know, do you remember me? And I'd met him in New York. So here is this gorgeous young man about to walk into Bob. And so we did a piece on him, of which he wrote the poetry for, Paul wrote the music and I choreographed it with three other women. So there were some beautiful things that we had no idea that were going to happen that just, as I say, organically happened. And I think, yeah, it just reminded me what I do really love doing. Yeah, no, and that's that's lovely. I'm really pleased for you that it was such a success as well. Thank so, you. Um, so Great. what's next? Well, what's next now? We're just, funny enough, I've been in meetings all day about you know, have to go and talk to the Arts Council now, because funny enough, we're not funded. Uh, BOP is an unfunded company, artistic company. For 24 years, we've never had any funding. We're not on any of those stratas or those lanes like uh, the Rombert Company, because as I've been saying, you know, in many ways, jazz has not yet been legitimised by the, the people that should legitimise it. We are further and closer to making that happen now. Uh, but it's still a lot of conversations to be had. Um, But that, we're working on that at the moment. I've got, yeah, we've got another project to put together. We're working with another uh, company, Southeast Asian dance, actually, and we're bringing an idea of Kathak and jazz dance together. So this is, uh, uh, it's in research and development at the moment, but we're kind of writing the music for that. Uh, We have, Two other, two other ideas that we would like to circulate and work on, and we're continuing on our, um, it's a piece that's called Through the Eyes of a Woman, and it is based on poetry of Maya Angelou, um, mm. Jewel Matheson, and also our female company dancers. And it's all about life, basically, female mm. life, what we go through, how we come together, how we you know, feel alone, all of those things that we as women go through, it's a whole piece and it's called Through the Eyes of the Woman. So we're developing, we're continually developing that. And that's a big one. At the moment, our dancers have been off writing their life stories. I said, get something from your diary and let's see how we can turn that into text and prose and put it to music and then dance it. So we're having a wonderful, yeah, that organic thing is still going on. So is is that like a program, the 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 woman piece? Or... It will be. It will be. It started off in twenty nineteen. The first section that we did was to the 
I ha we did, we took the poem of And Still I Rise from Maya Angelou and we kind of broke her voice down into places where I could create to it. Paul wrote an incredible score to it and it's literally six and a half minutes long. So we did that and then from that I said, oh, I want to add this and I want to add this story about women and this part of our pain and this about abuse and it just started to build and actually what it transpired that it was little vignette stories of my life. And that's wow. what I'm saying when you call it about art. It is, jazz is about the real, you know, what actually happens in life. And you can turn that into art as much as you want, just as anyone else can. But it's real. You know, I was married before, so that it was kind of, not an abusive relationship, but a tough relationship where it, it took a, a lot of my soul away. I put that into the dance, you know. There mm. were the fights that went into the dance. There was fear that went into the dance, you know, and all sorts of things. So it's it's a, we, we're turning it into a whole 40 minute piece. At the moment we've got to 17 minutes of it. So the next, now we're transitioning to the next. So we add and we add and then we add. And I think that's very much part of what a jazz artist does. We never kind of stick with what we've got. We look at what we've got and we go, okay, what needs to be done to that? And what needs to be fixed on that? It's never set. Right and become what it's meant because it's there can be no ending to it on some level but you do get to an end you just go okay that's enough we've got everything we need to say in that piece so mm. yeah i'm excited about that because it's about Fantastic. i mean about what, what a wonderful way to express it though as well i mean you know we have really been as women we've been suppressed for years haven't we i mean Things are, you know, like the, the the Black Lives Matter situation. I mean, things are changing for us, but they're still very, very, you know, there's still mm. a lack of equality for us. There's still a lack of acknowledgement that we may be just as good as our men folk. Do you know what I mean? Actually, we're actually more multitaskable. We can do so much more. We give birth, you know, we take care of the kids. We go to work, we have careers, and, you know, yet still we're paid less, you know. We're I'm treated, not you know, We're treated differently. We're treated as if we don't have a brain, you know, or anything, and that we don't think for ourselves. And, you know, that is a misogynistic way of looking at it, and that's the hardcore way of looking at it. But there are some people who are out there who dictate that. And so, you know, I, I think through art we can say so much. So, so, so much, you know, you know, no, doing, you're, doing, you're doing so much to talk about it and allow women to talk and be open about who they are, you know, so yeah. we're all doing our part. We just have to keep doing it. You're right. Not surrender is my word. Not surrender. No, you're absolutely right. Talk out loud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and proud. <laughs> yeah, loud and proud. I mean, it is Mental Health Awareness Week this week as well. So... Um, you know, that there, there is, you know, I mean, you can't say, I mean, obviously men can feel quite lonely down as well. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, to put a focus on it, I mean, women, you know, have been through a lot, really. We have been yeah, really... from time, from oh. time. It's not something that's new. It's been from time, you know, but having said that, we've, we have progressed and we will keep progressing and equality will run smooth in the end, you know what I mean? It's, you know, we've, yeah. 
huge strides women have made. You know, if I look at who the women are that I look up to, there are many, many. You know, know, even most recently, if I look at, for example, for me, Michelle Obama, she's a huge inspiration to me. Yeah, same, same. Female icon who's up there and she's saying what she's, she's incredible. And then I go to people like Maya Angelou who wrote it in words and you can just read those words and resonate with everything that she actually says on some level you know you know I can read younger people's prose and go wow where is that coming from like Mm. with my dancers they obviously in their 20s and you know they're writing some beautiful things that are really meaningful and mean something to them but will mean something when we can translate it into creativity to somebody else so yeah. we're always talking, women. It's yeah, we are. We are. are. We being listened to? <laughs> I think that's our primary function, Dolly, actually. <laughs> Don't you think? I think we were put on this planet to have a good chat. Well, um, you know, my husband always reminds me, you know, it's, it's you know, we are so, it's so much easier for us to open up on some level, on some, as a norm. We, we open up a lot easier because we have to. We have to. Yeah. We have to deal with so many things, actually. And men don't. They just, they lock it down. They don't want to talk about it. And we know that. And you know that, guys. You know that. You know. Yeah. I don't have a battle with my husband, Paul, at all, because I think his femininity and his masculinity are quite intact. You know, and there is a beautiful balance. Oh. And at the same time, I do think my masculinity and my femininity within myself is quite balanced, too. I think it's how we use it at certain times, isn't it? It's how we use whatever we are at certain times to get through what we need to get through. So if I have to be a bit tough, I bring my masculine side out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I can you wear the trousers too as well. I can wear the trousers. So, yeah. Um, I think I think it's a really good thing that you can be in touch with both sides of you. Uh, we are what we, you know, we are of everything, bottom hmm. line is. We are of everything, you know, we came in from two people, you know, male and female, so it, it's there, it's there. You know, is it, you know, <clears throat> we were talking about this the other day, you know, is the, the DNA of our lives is very, very strong, you know, and the cultural connections that we have are really, really strong, and it doesn't matter where you born or where you grew up or how you grew up you can be around other people but those those they're positives if we know how to nurture them properly do you know what yeah. I mean where we're coming from who we are I've never believed that I should be anything but what I am or who I am and just be true to that and that's hard trying to find who you really are because everything around you is saying do that be that and it's very very difficult and I think that has a mental wear on people I think it does have a mental wear on people. And I think, you know, back back to the, the situation that we've all been living in, mm. you know, COVID has, has allowed us to, to look inside and actually mm. know who we are rather than who we're not. Absolutely. I have the same kind of conversation with students at the moment about, you know, because we, we are in a, a, a social media time. We can see how awful it is with the trolling that goes on or, you know, things that are going up. And I sort of say to my students, especially those going into the industry, to be careful not to get lost in the screen because 
you you can it, you're it's only a screen it's not you when you go yeah. out in, and you are you who are you yeah. can you be you <laughs> you know? yeah, uh, I don't need you to answer me now, but go away and think about that question because it relates to how you perform. It relates relates to how you see yourself as a performer. Even you know, mm -hmm. are you hiding behind the mask, or you, can you be true to that that you do? So you know, they're big questions. They're big questions, and I ask myself that because I love my social media, but I think I'm quite yeah. I'm quite sensible, I would say, with it in the sense that it's for my work and that is it, you know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we didn't grow up in that world, did we? We didn't. Not at all. Not no, at all. I can't, I can't, you know, I mean, I can't relate to my children, really. I mean, I use social media and I, I am on it and putting out different posts, but it's... Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's become the, that, the digits, you know, it is the digit of the right hand or left hand of the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you okay. know, you can say anything on, online and it doesn't really... It's scary. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary. And I, also, what has really struck me is that you can say something in a message and it can have a totally different context to what you actually mean. Hence why we go back to this thing called real communication. When you really yeah. talk, I can What's see cool? your mouth move and I can see your eyes and I can feel yeah. your I can feel your expression actually and I can feel your energy. I yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know, you know, like you, I gosh, when we were growing up we had a piece of paper and a pen and that was it. You know, create something out of that, please yeah. do. Definitely, and, and it, it makes me laugh now because some people that young people that I know can't even pick up a phone. They can't. They don't know how to and have a conversation with someone no, on, and then put the phone down. It's. Mm. But that then I then question myself: Does that make you sound really old, doll? You know that sound. You know, and I go, I guess so because times are moving. This is where we are right now. Technology. Yeah take over it was always going to get this way and it will be worse still to come you know when we get the little what is it the little signal that you stick on your head that's already <laughs> uh, i'm not putting a signal on my head <laughs> what's it stitched up with something in your arm yeah that clicks you into your car or opens your door for you don't even need a key mm -hmm. i don't know we're already there yeah, I'm holding on. I'm holding on to a wooden table going, please, just keep a bit of reality. Just let me dance. Just let me dance. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh, no, that's cool. Lovely. Really Donna, lovely. thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been, been a joy, and I hope mm -hmm. I haven't rattled on too much. But Oh, it's lovely. I love someone who can talk. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on teatime at forthenow.co.uk or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Tea Time with AM. Bye for now.